Hello and welcome to another edition of Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I'm your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful wife, Janet, and we are super excited to have Jen Van Dewater back on our show today. Um, she is the people's pharmacist with the wellness company, and she'll tell us a little bit about that as she introduced herself. But Jen is a, a doctor of pharmacy, so she's a pharmacist like Janet and I, and she actually um, hasn't practiced regular pharmacy in quite a while. And we can get into that story too, um, partly because um, as we do, she believes that traditional pharmacy is so unethical and so corrupt um, and making patients sicker um, that she just decided she couldn't really do that traditional route. So um, Jen, without further ado, welcome to our show. Hi, Sean. Hi, Janet. Happy to be here with you guys. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about your background and 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 what you do now. Sure. Yeah, I'm happy to. Um, it's it started in 1998, working as a pharmacy technician at the local, you know, Rite Aid in town, and I fell in love with the occupation because I, as in my name, the people's pharmacist. I loved being involved in the community, interacting with people one-on-one, um, being a front line. You know, you can't walk into a doctor's office and get advice. You've got to make an appointment. Where in the community setting as a pharmacist, people come right into you and trust you and talk to you and you can help them with, you know, making the best health decisions that they, they need for their overall wellness. So I knew that I had to just take that journey through pharmacy college. By the time I graduated, the industry had changed drastically. Like what I saw as a technician, and maybe I just wasn't as awake as I grew through my years but I saw the industry change to where it was no longer connecting with a patient one-on-one. It was just fill scripts. And even by the time I graduated, they started pushing vaccines that pharmacists had to be certified immunizers. So I was, I was confused and watching the industry change right before my eyes. So I left working for all chain drugstores and I went to independence and I actually felt more at home there. And you guys know this being independent owners, you know, it's a family feel you're engaging in the community. You're not really pushing pharmaceuticals, but what I saw happening at these independents I was working for is the insurance companies. These insurance companies were robbing these independent pharmacies and these these poor businesses were struggling and many of them shut down that I've worked for. And many even today are still, you know, trying to find ways to survive. And sadly, to survive, they end up giving in to big pharma, which is so sad, what I what I witnessed. My last role was with long-term care. I worked long-term care and retail at independent pharmacy. And that's one of the moments for me that kind of opened my eyes. As I had in my hand, you know, I was packaging meds for the assisted living. I was looking at the packet, the hand, the packaging, all of it. I said, how can people be on this many medications? Something's, something's not right. Something's not adding up. And so I started talking to colleagues and, you know, they, they gave me such the um, programmable rhetoric, you know, like quality of life. I'm like, how, how do you think quality of life? And not only in our elders, you know, in the geriatric population, I was seeing it happening in younger and younger kids going to, you know, troubled homes. And at these institutions, we were filling very high doses of Seroquel, Welbutrin, Trazodone, Sertraline. And I'm going, something doesn't, this isn't right. This isn't how we should be as humans. Medicine should be there to aid the body in healing, not mask or cover, you know, emotions and and anything we're going through. So 
I, I that's my that's a brief overview of my journey and my my eyes being opened and and understanding that there was more to this than than we were made aware of. Yeah, I want to come back to that because I just had a a bingo light come on when you said you it started changing right at during pharmacy school and maybe we'll get a chance to talk more about this but um, you were going to farm school in the early 2000s right correct and drug companies up until 1997 were not allowed to advertise directly to consumers and you know jan and i have always talked when people ask us well when did it start changing oh about 25 years ago yeah and i, I don't know if that's correlation or not so that's something maybe we can um, touch on a little bit later um Janet, what questions do you have for Jen? Well, Jen, I, I applaud you because I don't hear this very often. Most of our colleagues are still stuck. So talk a little bit about what that was like breaking away. I mean, how, how did that break off come to where you are in a different setting right now? Well, um, I kind of say too, like through my career, I had God moments. I call them God moments because I had like drip, 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 all this information. I didn't know what to do with it and didn't make sense. Um, but I felt really strongly after I realized, you know, overprescribing was taking place. I started, you know, kind of taking patients aside and going against the pharma agenda and saying, hey, you know, your mom is 80 years old and she's on atorvastatin 40 milligrams and she doesn't eat that much. So I'm thinking this is not helping her anymore. She should probably either talk to her provider and get a lower dose or talk about coming off. Now, I'm not, obviously, and you guys know, we're not the providers. We can't advise people to stop a medication that has to come from the provider. But I was trying to be that voice of reason in the in the ear of the patient to take that information back to their provider. Even I saw omeprazole, very highly dosed in a lot of these geriatric patients who were not eating the same food. And I kind of attribute that they weren't eating was because they're just popping all these pills. You know, so their gut health is so destroyed. They can't even, they don't even want to eat. They don't have the desire to eat. So that was kind of, for me, I, I started realizing I need to break away from being in the pharmacy setting and actually go into the doctor's office and be an advocate and a voice for the patients because they don't know what I know. They don't see what I see. And we are called when we are, when we are shown something, we are called to act upon that, not to turn a blind eye. And so the end of 2019, I started doing um, a little bit of research and talking to some doctor's offices locally to me and asked if I could you know, participate and work with them and be a consulting pharmacist and try to help the providers in choosing which medications to, pres to prescribe. And I thought maybe this way I could stop the process before it started and only get patients on necessary medications. So I did come across a doctor's office. I was super excited, put my resignation in early of 2020. By the time everything was rolling yeah. out, boom, here's COVID, right? And so I get the call that that job was terminated and everything went telehealth. They didn't need me in the office. So I was on the sidelines watching things happen. And as I was seeing things unfold and watching everything that was taking place between masking, you know, covering the ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, pushing these injections, I literally one night sat on the, my sofa, looked at my husband and I said, I can't practice pharmacy again. He's like, what? He's like, we just spent hundreds of thousands of dollars to get you through college. You're going to walk away from your career. And I said, I can't do it to the people. I said, how can I go back in, stand behind the counter and dispense these medications? And I was going down rabbit holes. I was having fun because I was not working. So I was hearing what was going on. So I was doing some research 
and came across the Rockefeller Institute of Medicine, the Carnegie's, the Flexner Report. And I went, wow, what is really, what is medicine supposed to be? What is health supposed to be? What is wellness? I just was waking up to really what was going on. And like those God moments that I talked about came full picture. And my husband looked at me and said, what are you going to do? And I said, I'd rather wait tables because I know that when I stand before God, he's going to say, you did the right thing. And, you know, making that choice to say that then he's opened up amazing doors. And it leads me to say this, that I thought I was supposed to work locally with the doctors to help patients. But now I'm working nationally with amazing doctors and helping people all over the world. So when you are obedient to what you're asked, God will open amazing doors. Yeah, that's a wonderful story. And it's also uh, an example of, you know, Janet was mentioned some of our colleagues that are stuck in a situation. Mm-hmm. That's a choice. And, you know, especially when they know, especially when they don't like it and they know that what is going on is wrong, they choose to stay in that job and they don't have to. There is something else to do. And one thing that cannot be taken away from us Um you know, is, is our knowledge. I mean, we have knowledge and as pharmacists, we, you know, we have learned a lot of cool things and we need to be able to share that with people somehow, some way. Um, and it doesn't have to be in a traditional setting and, um, you know, kudos to you for, for getting out of that. And, you know, it was really scary. Let me just say, I don't want people to think like I never had fear. I never worried, you know, and I remember another day like uh, in prayer, you know, saying, "Okay, I I know you're asking me to do this, um, but who who am I then? Like, I mean, you're defined by your career. You're defined by the choices you made. If I'm not a pharmacist, then who am I? And in that moment, it actually hit me. Wait, why am I afraid? Like if I'm empowered by God in me. Why am I afraid of what could be or what couldn't be? I should just grab that sword and that shield and just start marching. And I really, it hit me. I should not fear the devil. He should fear me. And that's when I, and I, but I'm telling you, the minute I said that to myself, I could feel that courage come inside of me. And I said, I'm doing the right thing. And, you know, because I am the breadwinner for the family, you know, I support us. Here I am now, I was out of work for over a year. I chose to just not go practice pharmacy until, you know, I was led to where I was supposed to be. And it was not easy, but, you know, we managed. We figured out how we could make it through and not have any any troubles and survive through it and budget. You know, the it says scriptures too. You learn to live with a little and with a lot. And that's what it is. I, I wasn't someone that had overspent in my career. So we were able to manage for a while until the position with the wellness company came up where now I get to, like I said, work with amazing doctors and help people all over the world. Well, let me tell you, Jen, I had much every, pretty much everything you said um, is similar to our story just about 20 years ago. And um, we have never looked back and we, uh, you know, do not regret the decision that we made to get out of traditional pharmacy because we told ourselves, it's like, look, um, we either do something different. I was going to become a real estate agent. I did, you know, because I wanted to sell houses or something, Uh, but I wasn't going to be a pharmacist because it just, we did not like what was going on. Um, And, you know, I will say, you know, talking about people that, you know, your pharmacist is your identity. Um, I will say this, that um, over the last few years, um, I know some pharmacists and doctors 
they refuse to tell people what they do because they are so embarrassed of their colleagues. And I will tell you, we tell every, we tell people because we do something different, but we know a very close pharmacist friend of ours that he doesn't tell people outside of work what he does because he is so embarrassed of what has happened um, in pharmacy. And I know a doctor that's the same way. I mean, she refuses to tell people outside of work that she's a doctor because she is so embarrassed of what her colleagues have done over the last three years, especially. It's true because when I go out and people ask me what I do and I'm like, well, I'm a pharmacist against big pharma. Like that's actually yeah, how I introduce right. myself because I'm like, I'm not your typical pharmacist. And they're like, what? And then when I say, and I even say, I call myself the people's pharmacist because I answer to the people, not to big pharma. And eventually my my introduction is like three sentences long. <laughs> like who I am because right. I'm not traditional. I'm I'm actually probably old school pharmacist more than I am your traditional pharmacist. Yeah, Jan and I tell people, it's like, no, we're, we're two pharmacists that don't believe in, in medication to treat long-term disease. Yeah. And they're like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's us. Yeah, so. we're like the oxymorons of like our industry because it's like complete opposite of what we right. trained and what we're told we do. And, and yeah, you, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. So let's talk about some of the corruption. Um, I want to talk about, you and I had a great call yesterday. Um, thank you for taking the, the time. And one of your aha moments with some of the things that are going on that you didn't agree with actually didn't come from human medicine. It came from veterinary medicine. Tell us that story. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to. I mean, it's uh, one that's near and dear to my heart. And also Uh, just to start to interrupt, also tell us what year this was because it was pre-COVID. It was pre-COVID. My gosh, I think what year it was, was probably 2014. Um, I had received a notice from my vet for our first little pup that we had. His name was Chance. And she said, you need to come get him his checkup and he needs his boosters. And I, at that time, you know, I didn't know anything about it. I said, sure, I'll take him in and took him in and she checked him over and she goes, you know, he's as healthy as a nine-year-old. And at that time he was 14. And um, she says, you guys are very active and we can tell that your dog is healthy. So she gave him the three-in-one booster shot. And two days later or a day and a half later, I mean, he was very lethargic, which we all hear is normal, right? He was kind of acting off. He all of a sudden started having seizures and um, having them, uh, he would howl when he would have these seizures, his whole body would stiffen up. I mean, to see that happen. And there were a few times um, he actually lost breath. And I remember, um, you know, my husband holding on to him and I came out and just laid my hands over him and prayed, please, God, don't take my baby. Please don't take my baby. Um, and watching him struggle for years. And I know Ray shared with you, he wouldn't eat. So he started feeding him baby food. And like when he said to you, he probably thought we had five infants at home because he would buy cases of baby food at the store because that's all we could get him to eat. And the last two years of his life um, were downhill. Um, We thankfully were able to have a few years left with him, but his health really declined. And so that eye-opening moment caused me to start talking to people and saying, hey, not just about their pets, and I did ask people about their pets, but I started to say, hey, anyone notice when someone got a vaccine, any weird reaction or anything happening? And a lot of people started actually responding, hey, you know, this girl in the cubby next to me at my previous job, when when we all got flu shots, she got back to her desk and felt very off and collapsed to her floor, the floor and had a seizure. I'm like, really? So I kept digging and asking and found out more and more frequent that people 
who were getting vaccines not reported, not talked about, were actually having reactions and seizures. And that was this was all before 2020. This was all from 2014 until 2019 when I was working and just, you know, talking to coworkers and patients. I will say, and I know I've mentioned this before with you, Sean, I'm not a certified immunizer. I never became one, not because I was at that time an anti-vaxxer. I just was not one who could stomach giving a shot. And I always said, no one wants a shot from a fainting pharmacist. So <laughs> that was why I never did. But I'm sure if I were to have given shots, I probably would have witnessed um, some of these reactions taking place right before my eyes. And a lot of times, these pharmacists that we know, our colleagues are, are not aware, probably just have people sit there and, um, or I don't even know, I don't know what you would do if somebody actually fell to the floor and started having convulsions because that, that was happening pre-COVID. So this is not something that just started happening with this injection for COVID. Well, and if you remember when, when you learned, even if you're not certified to give vaccines, you probably learned, you know, you learned about them, obviously, because you're a pharmacist. And Correct. You know, Jan and I were actually two of the first pharmacists in Washington State to get certified to um, administer and prescribe vaccines. And um, we went through a, a course from the CDC, and I think back about it now, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh. I mean, what kind of propaganda was this, you know? Um, <clears throat> so... You definitely couldn't call us anti-vaxxers during the middle of COVID because we, we supported vaccines, vaccinated all our kids. Um, and then um, COVID happened. We started asking questions. But we were always told with the flu shot, for instance, you know, I mean, as pharmacists, oh, yeah, there, there are no side effects from it. It's mm -hmm. a, you know, it's an inactive vaccine. You really can't get sick from it. You, you know, so when people say this, just, you know, roll your eyes and say, you know, oh, it's just in your head. I mean, but then you hear stories like this and it's like, well, and I even heard, I remember talking to a pharmacist one time and he was a very, I mean, he was a pharmacist that was black and white, big pharma Yada, yada. He refused a flu shot because it made him feel sick a few times. And so he just quit doing it. I said, dude, that's impossible. And, um, you know, now I think back about all those stories and I think back about, you know, um, you know, how many, you know, how many true side effects have happened with vaccines that are never reported right. because the pharmacist or the doctor just blows it off and says, ah, no, right. You know, so which we already know that during COVID, that's happened a lot. Yeah, I, I think there's been a lot of underreporting for, for many, many, many years prior to even the flu shot coming out, I think for a very long time. My personal thought is this has been an experiment on human beings since they started bringing out vaccines and seeing how things go. And I, I'm at a point now where I, I don't even want to say it's like anti-vaxxer. I'm just, just choosing to not take any vaccines or vaccinate my dog now. I mean, I will not put you know, after witnessing it and seeing it, there's no benefit to that risk. And that's what we, we assess as pharmacists, you know, and when you start really digging and doing your research, it seems like you're, you're making a choice that could bring more harm than good. And our bodies are, we talked about this too the other day, our bodies are so, you know, created and designed to be, you know, immune strong and actually, uh, you know, battle for us that we don't need the assistance of any kind of modern medicine. Um, we could use what we can get out of from the earth with the plants and the herbs and things like that to give us the boost. But to get it from something man-made that has chemicals, I just feel like 
wait, what are we doing? We're, we're natural beings. Why are we putting artificial into us um, to help us um, stay healthy? It just, it, it, when you actually think about it, it's, it, it becomes clear and it doesn't make sense to start to ask those questions. Well, and mass-produced vaccines, a lot of people don't realize, um, you know, mass-produced big pharma-type vaccines. I, I get it. We've been vac- vaccinating people with, you know, inoculals of smallpox, you know, when we try to spread it slowly to other family members or people. We've been doing that for centuries. I get that. Um, but the big pharma mass-produced uh, vaccines are really only about 70 years old. Um, so, you know, we got along for thousands and thousands of years without Mm -hmm. them. Um, so all of a sudden we're all going to die from these viruses if we don't have them. That's just not rational in my opinion. I mean, seriously, just whether you're an educated, you're in healthcare and you're educated on, on healthcare or you're just a lay person, just think about that. If those viruses were going to wipe out mankind, they would have done it thousands, hundreds or thousands of years ago. Yeah. No, it's absolutely true. Absolutely true. And, and I, we talked and about this too, Sean, is our bodies are, you know, we're taught in, in school that our bodies are frail and broken and they need assistance. You know, it's like we're taught that you need all these things because your body can't take care of itself. But actually we've been created and designed to go to be well. Our body, I mean, you get a cut, guess what happens? You get a scab and then it heals, right? So why does that not happen internally? Like, why are we taught that internally that doesn't take place? Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know, it, your body is designed to be well. Your body is designed to stay well. You start altering that process with chemicals, with toxins, pharmaceuticals, diet, lack of exercise. That's when your body starts to break down and you start to have problems and then your health issues start to rise. And then... The big pharma companies like send there, yeah, here we go. You need a prescription, you know, and that's that's really that's really their plan. That's really their game plan, and and they've convinced us over these you know decades that that's the that's the way. And we are now waking up to it and saying that's not the way. That's actually wrong, you know. And I, I mean, I'm so encouraged. I know when I talked to you uh, like a year or so ago, it's so encouraging to talk to other pharmacists. Yeah. Because, you know, what we witnessed and what we saw and, and what's happening, it's just so nice to know we're out there. And our goal is really to take care of people, not to push the big pharma agenda. Well, and, you know, speaking of our immune systems created wonderfully and the disruptors you talked about, um, look at the rise of autoimmune diseases mm-hmm. over the last 30 years. I mean, you know, when Jan and I were in pharmacy school, things like asthma were, were fairly rare. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe one in a thousand people or, or maybe one in a hundred. I don't even know the numbers. But now look at how many people have asthma. And asthma has an autoimmune component, rheumatoid arthritis and, and um, you know, um, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, um, all these diseases that are that are basically the immune system attacking the body. you got to ask your question. What changed over the last 30, 40, 50 years? Well, big pharma. I mean, you yes. got to ask that question, but it doesn't come up, you know, in the mainstream media. Oh, no, that's not it. It's just, you know, it's it's genetics. I, I love it when they, they put on genetics. Like, well, genetics don't change in one generation. Exactly. No, it's so it's so true. And you really start to bring you break it down like you do 
the questions need to be asked. And I, I encourage people to ask questions. Like, I don't ever want someone to say, well, I saw Dr. Jen say it, so I want to do it. The answer is no, do your own research. I am only sharing my opinion and what I've noticed. I want people to make informed decisions for themselves, empowered through owning their own health and having health sovereignty. I am just a guide. I'm a guide. I'm going to give you recommendations and you can go then choose what path is best for you. You know, for me, I've made my choices based on what I've researched and in talking to people, you know, gathering information, praying on it and seeking divine guidance to make sure I'm making the right decision. I mean, that is I, I feel that's where we've also been led astray because the people in the white coats are the experts and that's they're leading people astray. They're leading them down a bad, dangerous path. It's so funny because Jen and I were talking about this same subject last night. Um, I was, we were, we saw a, um, a a post and it was, I think it was with Sean Baker, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was with Dr. Sean Baker, who, who promotes the carnivore diet Mm -hmm. and he's done very well for thousands, maybe millions of people. And one thing he said is like, you know, don't, don't, don't believe me, do your own research. Mm -hmm. And and that's what Jan and I say too when we talk a lot about hormones. Like, look, we can give you some information about hormones, but please do your own research. And I think what's interesting is in the traditional system, it's no, don't, don't, don't do your own research. I'm the doctor. I'm the pharmacist. This is what you do. This is, you know, this is what you do. And, and doctors get, some doctors get mad when patients do their own research. I mean, I, as a pharmacist, I don't care because you know why? You know why you, you want them to do your own, their own research, Jen, and we want them to? Because we speak truth. Yeah. Seriously. If, if you're saying, you know, just trust the science, remember that, right? And, yes. and don't do your own research. We, we, should, we should be very, very cautious. I mean, why don't they want you to do your own research? Are, you, are they scared you'll find something out that's not true? It's exactly what it is right there. Bingo. That's exactly. And then you're going to be pulled away from big pharma. They're going to be exposed. You're going to see who's behind the curtain, you know, and they don't want people seeing that. And I actually spoke to someone about a week and a half ago who was telling me we were talking actually about the wellness company. Um, This person is actually encountering uh, severe long COVID and um, an increased spike. And, you know, no, no jabs. But just really, really um, brain fog, fatigue, um, memory issues. And I said, you're in spike overload and you've had COVID. She says three to five times. I it's a huge number of times. I said, your body needs to detox from the spike. So we got talking about the wellness company and the spike support. And she literally was crying and hugging me before. She said, I'm so glad I got to run into you. Because she said, I went to the doctor's office this morning and I threw, like I said, I need my files. I need everything. I'm done here. And they said, well, what's wrong? And she says, well, I researched the drugs you want me to take. Well, we don't want you to do that. That's what they said to her. We don't want you to do that because she decided not to take their, the medicine that they were asking her to take because she researched the side effects. She researched long-term you know, complications of using this, how it alters her entire body. And she says, I, I don't know what to do. And when she asked them about having long COVID, they pretty much said, there's nothing we can do for it. We don't even know if it's real. And it's like, okay. So I was like, well, I'm going to let you know it is real what you're suffering from, you work in the public. So you're probably, and she touches people. So you're probably encountering the spike shedding. I said, what you need to do is, and her diet is very good. She's exercises. So I said, I think you just need to detox from the spike. So I gave her all the information. She's ordered spike support. And I said, please keep me informed on how you're feeling. She goes, nobody's ever listened to me. 
and pointed me in a direction that's not big pharma. And she says, coming from you as a pharmacist, I trust you. Tell us a little bit about uh, about this spike support. I've heard Dr. McCullough talk about it. Um, tell us a little bit more about it. Yeah, so it's an all-natural product with ingredients that inhibit and neutralize the spike protein. So we know the spike protein binds to the ACE receptor, and that's how the, vi the virus gets into the cell. So dandelion root extract and black cumin seed oil both bind to the ACE receptor to block that uh, happening with the spike protein, and that inhibits the uh, you know the, the viral replication from happening. Natokinase, everybody's talking about natokinase for its way that it helps in decomposing and degrading spike proteins, but it also is a natural antifibrinolytic. So if somebody did take the jab, the shot, and they're concerned about clots, you know, this uh, ingredient will also help with that. Um, it has selenium, which is brought in for inflammation, um, green tea extract as a natural anti, very potent antioxidant. And then Irish sea moss. Irish sea moss is, uh, to me, it's amazing. I think it's just great that it helps your body rebuild and repair. So these spikes go around and cause so much damage. And especially if somebody has, you know, succumbed to this uh, injection, their body's now manufacturing these and it's causing damage everywhere. So the Irish sea moss helps the body, aids the body in repairing. And we've had, I mean, reviews, about 100 plus reviews on this. And I, I literally tear up. I tear up because... This is what I want to see happen to people with something. When we, when I recommend a product, I want to hear the good results. I want to hear that I am feeling better. My brain fog is is gone. I'm able to get out and do things again. I'm remembering things again. Um, you know, I feel like much better. Or I a rash. People are getting rashes from this uh, spike exposure. Their skin's clearing up. I mean, it's absolutely amazing. And I'm so thankful and so honored to be on a team where we've come together and put something like this together um, because nothing else was out there. Everybody was talking, you know, everybody was talking about the problem. And that's the one thing I love about the wellness company is we're coming up with solutions. Yeah, that, that is great, Jen. And um, you guys have a great team um, put together. Uh, and, you know, when you think about it, if we want to look at the good things that happened during covid Mm -hmm. that's one of the things that happened is there is a lot of healthcare professionals that just raised our eyebrows and says, this is not right. I mean, let's face it, Jan, I probably wouldn't have met you. I know. Um, if it wasn't because of COVID, you know, mm -hmm. and, and by the way, I'm looking forward to actually meeting you in person this fall. So I can't wait either. <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, yeah. And if anybody is interested, uh, listeners and viewers, uh, on our Facebook, the wellness company has put in their, in our, in comments, some more information and, and how you can get a hold of this, the spike support and, and, um, uh, find more about the wellness company. So back on to big pharma corruption, let's, we, we talked about vaccines and I guess let's start talking about, uh, I guess we've talked about solutions, but Give our listeners and viewers some more examples of some of the corruption that goes on um, with big pharma that they wouldn't even know about. Maybe about how PBMs are involved. And I don't know how much you know about that, but I know I, I, we had a show with Robert on on uh, one time um, who is also with the Wellness Company, correct? Correct, yes. And yep. he's a pharmacist, and he was actually just on about FDA uh, approvals and, and how there's many things that we use off-label. Mm -hmm. um, for FDA and it's, it's been working for, you know, years. Um, 
And he taught, he, he, we had a podcast too about the corruption of the, the kickbacks from insurance companies and big pharma and that, and that patients are basically taken advantage of in these systems. Um, so what else can you tell us about, about corruption of big pharma? Well, I could talk about the MTMs, which I don't know if you guys remember those in your, your days. We were basically just getting out of it when, oh. when those were coming in. Okay. So thank that, goodness. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I, what, I, what I saw and witnessed with MTMs, I was blown away. And a lot of people, they don't understand. They don't understand what was actually happening, how healthcare was being dictated by the insurance company, what medications people were being prescribed by their providers was coming from the insurance company, not from any consult a patient had with a provider. And I'll go through and break it down how this happened. So everything's electronic now. So you go to the doctor, your health record's electronic, your insurance company can see everything that you talk to your doctor about. You go to the pharmacy to get scripts, they can see which prescriptions you filled, and they can cross-reference both of those files all the time and check mark you know, yes, this one's compliant. This one is good. Yay. You get an A plus. Oh, you, you got a D. You're not taking this routinely. You know, you've got this disease state. You're not on that medication. And then the pharmacy, the pharmacy gets a fax or an email from the insurance company and says, Hey, did you guys know Jane Doe is not on a statin and she is a type one diabetic and she is prone to get high cholesterol. And every pharmacist is like, oh, we better get her on it. We got to prevent her from getting high cholesterol. Me, I'm like, but she doesn't need it. Like, that's my first thought. Like, why would I put somebody on a medication that doesn't need it? So the, the typical, you know, uh, mainstream pharmacist would take that fax, fill it all out and send it over to the provider. And the provider doesn't know that this is coming from the insurance company. They think you as a good pharmacist is making a recommendation for a medication. And so they sign away and it comes back to the pharmacy and the pharmacy's like, yay, I'm gonna fill this. And they fill a medication, the patient shows up and the patient's like, I didn't know, well, your doctor wrote it. The patient's like, okay, if the doctor wrote it, I guess I need it. They don't know what took place. The, the thing is this right here, the pharmacy that fills that prescription that came through an MTM gets a kickback, gets yeah. paid, gets paid for doing it every time. And if you do not, get a prescription out of those MTMs, you get $0. And I was constantly hounded everywhere I worked because they're like, Jen, you're not bringing in any MTMs. I'm like, I can't in good faith go out there and either write someone for a new medication. So some people are on certain blood pressure medications and a new one comes out and the insurance companies made a deal with that pharmaceutical agency. And so they said, we want to now switch this patient. We're going to pay for this medication now. And the patient's stable. Why am I going to go and, and recommend to the provider to change their medication regimen? I mean, you know how it is. If there's a change in manufacturer, people are like, whoa, why is the blue pill now white? You know, people really like to see and keep things regimented. All of a sudden now, you know, they're like, wait, now I got a whole new med and what's going on? I mean, that's that's what's happening behind the scenes. And it's, it's disgusting. And I, that was where I would come in and talk to people and say, listen, this is what's going on. I mean, I tried to wake so many people up when I started realizing how bad MTMs were. It was not to profit, you know, the uh, patient. It was only to profit and the lining, the pockets linings of the insurance companies and big pharma. And it was interesting because MTM, when it was first starting out, was being sold to pharmacists about 
how we're going to be used, you know, MTM medication therapy management is what MTM stands for and how we were finally going to be used for not just dispensing medications, but using our knowledge to, to help people get better and, you know, and prescribe the right medications. And it's like, that's how it was sold to pharmacists. And I mean, you look back and it's just, no, we're basically pushing big pharma poisons. That's really what it was. Exactly. And that's one thing I realized one day, actually, I was giving a speech. It was October of 2021 in Florida. And as I was sharing all these, you know, hidden dark secrets behind big pharma, I kind of stopped and went, wow, I really feel used by big pharma. And then I just kept going. And after the event was over, this woman came running up to me and it was held at a church. And she comes, she says, I got a message from God for you. And I was like, oh yeah. I said, I'm, I'm all ears. And she said, when you said you were used by Big Pharma, with all that you saw and you knew there were things wrong, God said, no, I used you. I put you there. So it's the same for you and Janet. Everything we've witnessed and all this corruption and it's it's evil, it's dark and it's wicked. But how else do you bring it forth but by, by, through the light bearers, like through us? We are the ones now, we have pure hearts that we care about people. And so our goal is to go out there and expose it and say, please people pay attention do your research. We're not saying this because we're right or where we want to battle the other side. It's because we actually care. We care about the people. We want the people to make the informed decisions for themselves and know what's going on with their health and not just not just say yes to the people in the white coats. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the Great Commission, right? I mean, we've we've mm-hmm. been given a, a mission to go out and Jan, I say it all the time, educate and empower individuals to take mm-hmm. charge of their own health. Um, and, and that is truly, that is not only is it the right thing to do, but it's, it's so rewarding because we're not telling somebody, well, you have to take this medication. You have to do this. You know, we're giving them edu- we're giving them information so they can educate themselves and make their own choices. Mm-hmm. And I have another story to share that you're, you're going to love this one. This, oh, yeah. was great. this was probably like right after I first graduated pharmacy college and I was, kind of feeling a bit icky with all the overprescribing I was just seeing in the early years. And I was working at a chain grocery store and this woman came in and my tech was on a break. So it was just me. So I went to the counter and I could read her. Like I, I care about people. So when they come in, I was looking at her and she, she looked a bit um, traumatized, a bit confused, uh, concerned and worried. And so she handed me the script. It was Celexa, 10 milligrams, one a day, you know, with three refills, your typical script, right? <laughs> and so I looked at her and I said, are you, are you okay? She says, can I talk to you? And I said, of course. So she started to talk to me at the counter and I said, let's go sit private. And she was proceeding to tell me that she was going through a very rough time in her life, uh, going through a divorce, uh, very traumatic, um, went to the doctor to bear her burden, like share and ask for it and just ask for help and letting her know things are going to be okay. And instead of communicating with the patient, they just wrote her script. Well, you need this. And so I said, well, how do you, so again, empowering them, I did not dictate care. I had her talk through her emotions. I said, well, how do you feel about this medication? She was, why well, didn't it go to the office for a medication? I went there to just you know, am I, am I going to be okay? Is this going to last long? These feelings. And so I described, you know, explained to her, described her like being human is to encounter even the ucky feelings. Sometimes we have to walk through them. And I said, it's totally your choice. I said, if you want to fill this prescription, you can, but I said, you, it's good for a year. So I said, why don't you hold on to it? It expires in one year from the date written. If you need it in three months, then come back. But I said, in the meantime, 
walk through your emotions. I said, you're going to be okay. We all encounter tough times, tough roads. I said, it starts here. And I'll tell you, the woman hugged me and she was so grateful and she did not fill that script. I don't know if she ever came back. I don't know if she ever felt, I don't know, ever know what happened to her, but I know one thing that I made a difference in her day. She left the pharmacy not so sluggish and like hunched over and, um, you know, unsure of life. She left like, I can accomplish this tough time. I can climb this mountain. Somebody just listened to me and they didn't offer me, here's a pill to solve your problem. And so that was... Okay. That was way, that was like, right, yeah. like probably late 2000s, you know, when I, when that happened. So, well, yeah, ahead, Janet. I, I, I think this has been kind of an ongoing way to control people, right? Like we, we try to, you know, you don't have and you don't need emotions. Just go back to your house and be quiet. I mean, I, I feel that because it seems like in the last, at least the last three years, that was really demonstrated very loudly. And why is it that we reach for a pill when somebody actually has something that, you know, maybe the right step would have been, hey, have you considered going to have counseling or talk to somebody about it? Because a doctor should know that as well. You know, I'm sorry, we all should know there are appropriate times when a spouse dies, when, you know, a sibling dies. When you have big things that happen in your life, why are you reaching for a pill? Why aren't we reaching for other human connections? Because that's really how, I mean, if we think about even after a child is born, a baby, if it does not bond to the mother, it will fail, it will fail to thrive. So why do we not think that as we age and go through life that we don't need those interactions, those human times where somebody is, you know, offering us assistance, whether it is a therapist, whether it's a pastor, whether it's a pharmacist, I mean, who, why is it a pill? And be quiet and stay in your corner. I mean, that's just my observation. I, I no, feel what no, she did was amazing. And I applaud no. that because I, I think way too many times, like our friend Robbie Ross says, the pill for every ill, it's not a solution. That wasn't mm-hmm. even a band-aid. That was just to numb her. And, right. And that's really what it is. It's basically to, to, to mask the symptoms. And she needs to go through her emotions and probably needs to just talk to people more. And right. We know, you know, in these mental health drugs, I mean, when you look at most of those mental health drugs, it's just like, like Janet says, it just makes people just forget about their emotions and sit in a corner. And, and as a society, I think sometimes that's kind of maybe what we want so we can control people, just like Janet says. Control. Now, another mm-hmm. question or another comment I have is, you know, as well as I do, Jen, because you've seen it, we've seen it. If that woman started that medication, chances are 20 years later, she was still alive. She would mm-hmm. still be on it, and and I mean, more. They, they don't get off. You can't, and you add, you add. There, it, it one always leads to more. So there's right. very few people you see on like two medications or three medications in mainstream medicine. Like outside of it, yes, people, but in mainstream, I mean, it is five plus. There is no right. way, you know, and it's very normal to see people on like ten. Med- medications. It's right. very normal. So you're right. This could have started. She was, she had no prior history of prescriptions. So she was not on anything yeah. and, and they just throw that out there. And I, I think to your point, Janet, it is 100% control. And it's, it's an, it's an evil spiritual battle is how I look at it. Really. It's to take away empathy and compassion and love and grace and mercy and replace it with a emptiness 
cold-heartedness, greed. You know, really what we're seeing in our society is as you continue to push these pharmaceuticals and disconnect people from their spiritual sense about them, from their soul, they are walking around as zombies, unaware, unable to connect with other human beings and actually have that, that, that feeling, like you're saying, that bond. I mean, it's so hard to get people to smile at you anymore. Like just walking by, hi, whoa, whoa. They kind of look at you like you're talking to me. You know, it's so, it's the disconnect is happening. I feel our role is to bring that back. Absolutely. I mean, and I will tell you, Jen, thank you for doing that. Um, (laughs) You are a a bright light in a very dark tunnel. That is for sure. Um, And we're going to all get through this. Um, We just need to stick together and we need to do what, our, our mission is, and that's to educate and empower individuals to take charge of their own health. So, which is our goal of this podcast. And you have definitely mm-hmm. helped realize that goal, Jen. So I thank you. And as we finish up, as we wind this podcast up, I want you to tell us what you have a passion for. Outdoors. Ah. <laughs> I, I know you guys do too. I love being outdoors. I love being in the woods. Um, I love even... Um, just, I, I take my beach chair, okay, and sit in my yard at my feet in my grass uh, on the weekends when it's sunny and I can get outside, soaking up the sun, just anything to be outdoors with my husband and our, our little pup, you know, that is my my escape and my retreat. And I actually hear him um, on the phone sometimes, he's talking to someone, he's like, I got to get Jen out today, I got to get her in the woods She's been on these electronics all week. I've got to get her out. <laughs> he knows like, that is my escape. And I, I do. I love just being out in nature and paying attention to the little details. I think we've become so, we forget how important and how majestic creation is. We miss those small little details. And it is a childlike faith. It's remembering those things as if you're yeah. seeing it for the first time. And I that to me is my, my number one passion. I'm doing this and working with the wellness company because I care about people. And I'm hoping that someday when my, my, my job is done and I pass the torch on to the next generation, I can be retired in a cabin in the middle of nowhere on a pond and uh, just spend my time in nature. <laughs> and there's definitely, we actually had a podcast with uh, Dr. Amy um, Beard, who is a functional medicine doctor in Arkansas. And we discussed uh, nature therapy mm-hmm. and I mean, there are things that we don't even understand that happens when we get out and are exposed to nature. Um, you know, whether it be neurotransmitters, dopamine, epinephrine, norepinephrine being stimulated, our vitamin D being stimulated, so many things happen. Um, and I mean, it is a definitely a non-drug intervention that all of us could probably use more of. I mean, seriously. And think about it. They locked us down. Don't go outside. Yeah. Don't go in the yeah. sun. Right. And they, they tell you to put shoes on your feet, you know, and, uh, you know, when you go out in nature, load on the, if you're out in the sun, put on the sunscreen. If you go on nature, use the bug spray. You know, everything is chemical and everything is altering us from who we are. So I say make your own bug spray, essential oils works really great. And don't put on the sun, the sunblock, uh, get as much sun as you can tolerate and cover up when, when it's too much. I I love it. I love it. So, Jen, thank you for being on today. I really appreciate your information and and wisdom. Um, You can uh, find Jen at The Wellness Company, correct? Correct. Let me see if I can stream that really quick. So if you go into our Facebook, The Wellness Company has put some some, um, 
um, links in there under under the comments. And here is also the Wellness Company's webpage. Is this your guys' webpage, right? That's it. Yeah. All right. Tell us a little bit about that. So we are not just a supplement company. We actually are a virtual care. Um, we offer health to people. We offer people the option to see a provider. And these, these providers are the ones that actually wrote ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine during the height of COVID. So you know they're mission aligned. Um, and you can see them for, if you have long COVID, you can see them for acute care. You can see them if you just want to make sure you're on the right path. We also have, and you can kind of see there, we didn't touch on this, Sean, but we have a Freedom From Pharma program where we have other wellness pharmacists like ourselves who are coaching and assisting patients to get their bodies back in balance prior to seeing the provider of those unnecessary medications. So check us out. We have so many different options and more to come. We have allergy program that's no shots. So sublingual immunotherapy, do medical exemption. So if you're concerned and you want to have that, uh, we have a lot coming down the road. So just keep checking us out. Sign up for our newsletter and you'll see all the updates there. But it's it's amazing. It's great to be on a team of people who truly are putting you know the, the patient before anything else and looking to give them uh, options and solutions. And it's their choice. It's their choice. Yeah. If you want to be a part of the wellness company, please do. And if not, that's okay too. It's totally your choice. We I hope you do it. stop and check us out at least. I love it. So thank you so much for being on today, Jen. Thank you, Sean and Jana. I am looking forward to when you visit and we'll be uh, having a great time in, in person. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And thank you, listeners and viewers, for tuning into Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Uh, Monday, our regularly scheduled podcast actually will be a little bit later in the evening to accommodate our guest schedule. And we will be talking about Fathers' Lives Matter. Um, that's probably a touchy subject nowadays. Um, I think fathers get forgotten about a lot. Um, but we're going to be talking about, speaking of wellness, we're going to be talking about how when a father is present in a family's home, um, that Kids are generally more healthy. So you do not want to miss out on, on that one. I think it's at 6 o'clock uh, Monday, Pacific Standard Time. So Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham. Thank you for tuning in.